Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast, and today we have a special guest, guy who's a former U.S. soldier, current stand-up comedian, and he is a producer at the Winging It Comedy Show and a few other things that I'm going to get to you with. I believe Headspace and Timing Comedy was another one I saw. Yep. And uh, we'll talk about all that right now. Listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Mack. James, how are you? Sister? Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me, Dave. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for being on the Working Fans podcast. And normally we like to kind of start at the beginning a little bit. The first question I want to know is like, were you always a funny guy? Or is this something you kind of had to work at? Or how did this come about i haven't always been the the funny guy but i have always been a performer so i did theater you know um middle school high school you know that that was something my dad kind of was like hey you need to at least get in you know whether it's writing whether it's acting or you know he was like you gotta at least try it so you can say whether you like it or not and so i got into theater i really liked it like i said i did it all the way through high school that was before my voice changed and i could <laughs> sing i even was the scarecrow yeah <laughs> and, uh, yeah and the wizard of oz so so did that and then uh, when i joined the military you know i kind of uh, i got I, i've always been a rather serious person and even in comedy now like i still take it kind of serious so which is funny. It's like, you know, hey, I'm serious about making you laugh. Right. So, but, you know, I still use my work ethic and all that stuff. But no, like definitely if you if you like if you were to go back and ask the people in high school who some of them now know I do comedy, they're like, we would have never seen this. That's funny to hear, man. But now let me ask this, though. Now, doing all that like drama and stuff like that and being on stage, would that give you an edge over a lot of comedians starting at the same level as you? Yeah, I mean, well, well, I mean, everybody starts at, at ground zero. So for lack of better expression, but if you've done other stuff, so if you've done theater, like I've, I was also an instructor in the military. I was an instructor for U.S. soccer. I was a referee. And, and, what, and if you're comfortable in the spotlight already, then it makes it so much easier when you go to get up. So, because you, you're kind of like, oh, okay, like, you know, I'm over the jitters and, and I'm not going to be as bad. Like, I know what it's going to be like the first time I walk out there and stuff like that. Yeah, I like that too. Like, you're talking about the work ethic. I know I've heard Rogan talk about this. We were talking a little MMA before 
the uh, show started, but we're talking about like he would always say like with Brendan Schwab, it's like he has that athlete's work ethic and he takes it to stand up comedy. And I always thought that was an interesting analogy. Like, you know, like I don't know what most comedians are like, but just bringing any solid work ethic to anything, I think is going to help you and give you an advantage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, with, with, I mean, there's so many different, there's so many different comics. Uh, It's like any other community. I mean, you have some that get out there and, you know, they call it the grind and and they will get out there and they'll do, you know, the seven mics a a day plus the shows plus, you know, getting writing and, and everything else. And then you have others that, you know, uh, and I've seen it where they're 10 years in and they're still doing the same 10 minutes. They haven't written anything new and they're wondering, you know, like, well, why, why am I not getting booked or why, you know, why am I only getting free shows or and you're like, dude, you got to do the work. So your personal preference in comedy, is it similar to your standup or different? I'm, I'm a very eclectic person overall. So regardless of where it's at, whether it's music, whether it's movies or anything, and the same thing with my comedy, which it's like, I'll listen to all different types. I'll listen to, you know, the, uh, you know, deaf comedy jam type stuff. I'll listen to the older guys like Jerry Clower. A lot of people don't even know who that is. He was a storyteller from Mississippi. And that, you know, some of that all listen to the old, like the real vulgar trucker humor stuff, Mm. which are mostly, you know, dad jokes that you're, you know, you used to, or at least we used to listen to like when my dad and his buddies would come around and they're drinking and hanging out and stuff. And, uh, Listen to that. Listen to, you know, even more modern stuff. You know, Anthony Jeselnik, I think, is uh, amazing. Even if you don't appreciate the darkness of his humor, just his ability to hide the punchline so well. Another guy that I'm always in awe of and I love listening to are, the, I'd probably say the three that I love anything that they've put out is Roy Wood Jr., Dan Cummings, and Chad Daniels. Don't get me wrong, like Joe Rogan's good for writing jokes, but most of his stuff, like he'll even tell you, he makes most of it up mm-hmm. and it has no basis in truth. And so to me, like that's not, that's something I can listen to, but it's not something that I go out of my way to listen to. I gotcha. So, I gotcha. It's interesting. Yeah, to hear the taste. I was, uh, one of the first shows we did for this was a bunch of the people who are fans of ours. And we just had them write in and we did like a top stand-up, like our top five stand-up. And it was interesting because the age group of people that were responding to us were anywhere from their 20s to their 40s. And we got a lot of Bill Burrs, Dave Chappelle's, yeah. but George Carlin still, a few, uh, oh man, I'm blanking out his name, Don Rickles. You know, like, yeah. Had, yeah. So it was interesting to see like that kind of variety. Yeah, and, and Bill Burr and Dave, Dave Chappelle don't—they're on a whole other level. I think a, a lot of people like with with Carlin. I think some of those—that's the same thing as if you go up to a baseball player and you're like, "Hey, who are your favorite baseball players?" You're going to hear the Ted Williams, the you know, the Babe Ruth, the you know, if they're a pitcher, they're going to be tossing out Nolan Ryan, Roger Clemens. You know, it it, it it's one of those like, okay, besides the you know right. the the five, like you know, come on. Five or six, depending on how you look at it. No, I know what you're saying because, like, we it got down to like our debate was Carlin and Chappelle, and I voted for Chappelle. And I said it's not because I'm saying that he's better than Carlin, but this is favorite. It's our favorites, and I just for whatever reason, maybe the time period I grew up in, Chappelle just resonated a little more with me. And so, you know, personal favorite, Bill Burr would be on a top five for me because I just really like that style of humor. But I don't know. I've always Bill Burr, Louis C.K., Murphy yeah. when I was younger. It's funny. I didn't get. A lot of Murphy stuff, but even as a kid watching him, I thought he was so funny because of his expressions, his timing, his facials. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
you know, Eddie, Eddie Murphy, you know, was amazing. Whether you're talking about his skit level with Saturday night live or whether you're talking about like his stuff with raw, you know, Eddie Murphy raw or, you know, any of his stand up, Yeah. Same thing as a kid, you know, watching it, I didn't understand half of what he was talking about. Right. Like it was just funny. So right. that's talent. It, <laughs> yeah. And it's still funny nowadays. Like, I, I mean, even though now if he did half of that stuff, he'd probably, you know, be in a world of trouble, mm. you know, like the whole, like the Mr. T bit and all that. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, it's, it's always interesting to sit, sit back and watch, but you can watch it now and it's, it's still really like it's solid. So. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Like you said there, like, you know, it's, it's hard to do comedy in certain locations now, you know, like maybe, well, right now, I mean, there's, COVID and everything too. So a lot of stuff is banned. But before we had COVID, like I heard some comedians say that like going to college campuses, certain college campuses was tougher because it was a lot easier to offend people nowadays. Is that a problem you see? Or Well, well, here's the, the, that's one of those things. So corporate and college and churches and fundraisers, you have built in restrictions. So, and, and it's understandable. It's not necessarily that you're going to offend more people. It's you have more opportunities to because it's not set up for, it's not a comedy club. So you have, and and that's one of the things when people are like, Oh, like if you go to a, do a university show, which I've done a, a few of them, you know, they're like, Oh, like, you know, people are always offended. Well, you have to remember one, you know, you're getting paid by people that want to please everybody. So you have to put a set together that's not going to, you know, burn them down. Same thing with corporate. You know, essentially, if you go do a corporate show, it's almost like you're working for that company. You know, you have to abide by whatever HR is saying they want or don't want. So I've done a few of those shows. I lucked out and thought I was going to have an issue and didn't. And and luckily, the HR person had a had a good sense of humor and just kind of said something to me afterwards. But you know, the same thing. Like you got to know that when you're walking into that, because Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, if you're going into you know, like for instance, like I'm you know being military. Like if I was to go up to West Point or Naval Academy or you know VMI or Citadel or like the you know the military schools, I can get away with a lot more than I'm going to be able to get away with at Columbia or NYU or, you know, something like that. So you, you just got to know what you're walking into. Interesting. So it's almost like a comedian would say, know your audience. essentially. Yeah. What about, you know, obviously, I don't, how long have you been doing stand-up? Total of six years. I've been, uh, like I said, for lack of better expression, I've been serious about it for about four. Okay. Yeah. And now have you had any like crazy, like, did you can tell like horror stories happen to you or anything that, you know, you laugh at now or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody has those stories. I had one matter of fact, I was talking, I was talking to the guy that well, went with me on this one. So we got invited to go do a, a show, a private show up in Northern New York and got up there and it was put on at a bar. Well, they didn't buy out the bar. So like there's still regular bar patrons and it's UFC night, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> And so right as we go to start, they shut off the TVs. Oh, no. <laughs> and, this is, and this is in like, you know, like uh, right on the lake. And it's like kind of a country place. Mm-hmm. So everybody's, kind of, you know, the regular patrons are like, hey, what's, what's going on? And they turn around and, you know, of course, we start the show. The host pisses them off. And, I, and I'm supposed to be the opener. Mm-hmm. And I just started telling the host, I'm like, shut up. Just, just get off stage, man. Like, <laughs> let me go. 
And then I go up there and I st- and the the sound system goes out. So now I'm tr- now I have to almost yell my my set and to make things even better. So I start out and I usually try to do crowd work at the beginning. And there was a dude there with a pistol on his side drinking, mm. by the way. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, you know, I, I like I, I'm a gun guy. Like we're good. And I was just like, oh, did your girlfriend let you borrow that? Because it was a pink block. <laughs> and he was laughing about it. But another dude who was completely tore down that was in his little crew, he's like, what are you trying to call him gay? What's your problem, man? I'm like, I'm like calm down, bro. <laughs> and by the end of the set, I had almost lost my voice from yelling mm. my set because, you know, they're being loud. They don't really care. So there's that one. Yeah, we ended up that was that was horrible for everybody. Like nobody mm. had a good set that night and we were just all done. I have a like I probably say the other one. I, the only time I've ever been threatened was actually in Brooklyn. Wow. So I was doing a show and a, a show show and it was a lot of hipsters and a lot of, you know, woke white people. <laughs> and and I did, uh, I do a lot of dark humor and I did uh, a suicide joke and it's about me. And mm. I'm, I'm like, you know, and the girl was like, my friend committed suicide. And I was like, well, I don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like, after listening to you for the past 10 minutes, I can see why. <laughs> so, and she got mad and she had made it very openly clear. Uh, clear because she had said a, a few things like in other comic sets about how she was bi but she still leans towards being a lesbian and I was, I was like why we don't care we don't care like mm. just listen to the jokes and she threw a beer bottle at me oh, shit. Huh. and missed me and and I just couldn't help myself so I was like well I can tell you're not the kind of lesbian that played softball so, <laughs> just think of that oh my goodness and yeah, she she missed me completely, and and uh, that was that wasn't a good night altogether. So I and I mean, you have nights like that. So sure. Now, I, sidebar: Have you ever? I'm assuming, but have you heard Bill Burr's thing in Philadelphia where the crowd was brutal to everybody, and he just rips into the crowd for like 15 minutes? As a comic who's been through that, if you have heard that, do you have a certain appreciation for that that maybe other people might not even have? There, there's a couple stories like that, not just Bill Burr, but yep. you know, Def Comedy Jam. There's a pretty famous one with Bernie Mac at the, uh, I want to say it was at the Apollo, but I wouldn't swear to that just because uh, I, I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. But yeah, oh, matter of fact, Friday, me and a buddy of mine were talking about that because I'd never seen the video, I'd heard the audio. Mm-hmm. Finally, a friend of mine was like, hey, hey, I found the video and that is hilarious. Because to me, like that is something like I can understand that after being sure. Philly a few times. Okay, okay. And I've not to that level by any shadow of the doubt did I just throw a set and be like, you know what? I'm going to be a dick to all of you hmm. um, for what you're doing. But I have it on video where, you know, for like a good two minutes, I just tear into the crowd. And I'm like, no, like this, is, you know, yeah, you're the crowd, but. People are here to laugh. Like, shut right. up. So Bernie Mac's favorite infamous one was they were booing and just being complete assholes to everybody. Martin Lawrence, the whole nine yards. Wow. And he just comes out and he's like, I ain't scared of none of you motherfuckers. So, <laughs> and they laugh and he like took the show back. 
But that's the uh, thing that's really interesting about like Bill Burr's because if you if you watch it, like he just rips and rips, and they're like they start laughing about it, mm-hmm. and then like he goes and like he tears up every sports team, every oh, yeah. incident he can think about. My my favorite one is he's like you built your whole fucking town around a fake boxer. Yes, yes, that's that's my favorite one too. <laughs> so good, Joe Fraser's from here. <laughs> Yeah. So good. Uh, and then just the thing I want to ask you, like, how long before you really, if you have, I'm assuming you have, but you really got comfortable with your set? Honestly, like that, that, so with comics, they call it finding your voice. Yes. Like I started towards what became what's now my voice and left it alone because for whatever reason, I started pulling back from doing dark humor. Well, I, I shouldn't say for whatever reason. I know exactly what it was. It was I, I started going into the clubs and listening to the bookers of clubs that didn't fit my style. So that's the other thing that people have a misnomer about is that they're like, oh, well, a comedy club is a comedy club. Like, no, you have comedy clubs that are set up towards certain style of comics, you know, unless you're you're a big headliner, you know. And then they'll they'll kind of change it. But when you're coming up, like you need to find the club that fits your voice. And I had one of the comedy clubs that that I was, for whatever reason, you know, kind of locked in on. They were like, hey, man, like the dark stuff doesn't work. You need to change this. And I kind of left it alone. And then finally, I lucked out and there was a club in New York City called uh, the Creek in the Cave. Unfortunately, because uh, of the quarantine, they had to shut down, which really sucks because that's like one of the most welcoming places there was. I mean, it didn't matter what style you were. The the people at the Creek were like, hey, do, do what you do. And, and they definitely helped me uh, get mm. back to being like, hey, you know what? If you're a dark comic, you're a dark comic. Do what you got to do. And okay. they gave me the chance and definitely helped me out a lot. And so I finally found my voice. And now, you know, I love it. I, I have so, I have so many tapes of, of, you know, whether you're watching it or listening to it, of me up there. And I'm telling dark, dark shit, talking about death and like, you know, there's and like I said, suicide stuff or like how the suicide hotline fucked up and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. And, you know, and I'm just laughing my ass off. So, and, and, and that's the, that's the biggest thing I think, uh, but to find it and actually feel comfortable with it. I think I finally started feeling, feeling comfortable with it probably in like late 2019. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. And, and you can tell the difference in the recordings. Like if you mm-hmm. like I, I've sat there and watched them and listened to them and you can tell the difference because at first I'm like, oh, shit, are they going to laugh? Like what's going on? And now I'm just like, oh, fuck it. We're, we're laughing, motherfuckers. <laughs> Owning the room. Owning the room. Yes. Yeah. Now, have you done any of the uh, virtual comedy? And if so, how difficult? Is that because I can't imagine that's easy. Actually, yeah. So with my production, we were we were one of the first to start that in the New York scene. So we started March 18th. Okay. Yeah, the day after St. Patrick's Day, we started it, and we were putting on. Is this is this is headspace and timing? Yeah. So uh, so I'll 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 explain that real quick. So headspace and timing comedy is the production company, and then I have shows underneath that. So uh, we have Sweet Spot Comedy which uh, we do, which uh, we started doing with the tiny cupboard 
and it just the schedules weren't working for that and also it was like hey dude it's winter you know what i did 15 years of being miserable i'm not freezing my ass off no more so screw this uh, i'm not standing on a rooftop and freezing so <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but we kept sweet spot comedy which i co-produced with meg patnod and our our purpose is just make people laugh we don't want politics we don't want no social you know issues just tell stories, just make people laugh. Talk about your dog, talk about everything else. Headspace and timing. We do put on a show under that title and mm-hmm. that is balls out. Hey, whatever you want to do, as long as it's a joke, make it happen. So, mm-hmm. and now we're about to start what's called field day comedy, which will be a completely clean show. So we can do family friendly shows, churches, fundraisers, stuff like that. But but yeah, we started March 18th and we started doing shows. We were doing three a week, two on Wednesday, one on Saturday. And then I think, was it April? Late April, we added in open mics, So which uh, falls under football bat comedy. If you don't know what football bat means, it's a military term, meaning you're useless. Uh-huh. So I just thought it was funny that to yeah. do, uh, for open mics. But yeah, we, we were doing that virtual. And virtual is a completely different demon. Um, You have different timing. You can't do a lot of act outs. So there's good and bad because I know people like, like any other kind of Avenue virtual comedy has brought out some people that would not be headlining anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because it's a different, different venue. It's a different venue. On the other hand, I've seen people that were club headliners bomb their ass off on virtual Mm -hmm. because sometimes you, it takes a second to get the reaction. Right. So like, you know, you're, you tell a joke and now you get the reaction and it messes Mm -hmm. their timing up. And these are people that have been doing, you know, these jokes for three, four years. So So I imagine if you're thriving off that crowd and you're that kind of person who's like, that's got to be particularly more challenging. And then, like you said, you're having these guys probably to, maybe they're not as good in that crowd, but okay, they're actually pretty funny. And now they're excelling. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, well that, and also you're getting a, a larger um, audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. uh, just, just doing the virtual, I've got to do shows in Germany, Iceland, England, Scotland, mm-hmm. Ireland. I can't remember where it was in South America, but I got to do one there. Did one in Japan, China, uh, not China, sorry, uh, Japan, Thailand, Australia. Mm. So it's like, wow, okay, cool. You know, all over the U.S., we, we've had shows, some of the shows that I've been on, where we've had people from all kind of different countries and all over the U.S., and it's great. So It's awesome. Now, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about was winging it comedy that sounds like another show you got going on right now too it is so so that's the 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 newest one that's going on and that is a a comedy not really a game show but kind of so here's the story on that one this one actually this story this show actually has a backstory to it so when headspace and timing comedy started that was what winging it was or Winging it was what headspace and timing comedy was. So what I did the when I first started producing shows is I didn't want to do your normal stand-up comedy. I'm like, let's do something else. So Lucky Jacks in Manhattan gave me the opportunity and I started a show in their basement. So it's not as creepy as it sounds. <laughs> uh, but uh we would take four comics and the crowd would provide us premises. So j- joke ideas. 
and you would we would just give it to the to the comics and be like, hey, you, you got two minutes to come up with your best joke. I didn't know enough about producing at the time or, you know, and not knowing how to audition comics, right? It was mostly like, hey, these are my friends. I know them. They're comics. But not every comic can come up with stuff off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, two and a half years later, now I, I know a lot more of what, I, what I'm doing. So myself, uh, I, I picked a comic to be a host for me who had hosted a podcast and before. And I was like, Hey, I was like, do you want to be the host? This is what, how the game show is going to work. We auditioned comics for it. And now we have, I think we started out at 24 comics. Now we're down to 18. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you find out like, Hey, the audition was a one-off, you know, they're not right. You're they're They don't fit that. Or, yeah, that, that was the that was the main thing was just, uh, oh, OK, well, the audition re- went really well, but maybe it was just the the premises that they were given. And so now we're we just finished taping our 20th episode. Episode 17 comes out Wednesday. Hold on. I gotta look at the calendar. Yeah. The 13th of January, episode 17. And then we launch an episode every Wednesday and Saturday and it's a lot of fun. So we can't wait for uh, this. We're finishing up season one. Now our, our season wrap will be, I think the 28th, January the 28th. And that's going to be a completely live show. So right now wow. we're, we're recording them. We're cutting them up, you know, editing. So on the 28th, it's going to be completely live. 28th of January. Yeah. Okay, this is coming out the twenty sixth, so I want to make sure that we'll yeah. have that a few days beforehand. Maybe, maybe. Oh, thanks. Cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be live on YouTube and on the Winging It Comedy page. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to promote? Social media. Go right ahead. Pleasure. So all of my social all of my social media is at James Mac Comedy. That's uh, J A M E S M A C comedy. And that's my Instagram. That's my Facebook and my YouTube for winging it. That has its, its own thing. That's a uh, winging it comedy. W I N G I N I T comedy. We don't quite have enough subscribers yet for the YouTube for it to have that. So you got to search for it, but you can also listen to that on anywhere. There's podcast and just look for winging it comedy. So, but headspace and timing comedy, uh, you can search for that as well. We also have a web page for that. And if you just search for headspace and timing comedy, all of it pops up. Awesome, man. Hey, all right. Well, have you back on the show, hopefully in the future. I like, we're keeping these about a half hour right now. So we'll have you come back on and I thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 